Okay, Hello. is that better? Testing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's the things. That's... That looks right. Hi, love. Um, we're I, back. We're back with fascism podcast. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should maybe be more general. Uh, like um, we're still figuring this out, so we're just like, how do we do this? Should we like almost sing together, like fascism? Sure. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. Fascism. <laughs> I feel like that was pretty good. I think that they will like that. Yeah. I don't want anybody to expect for that to be a regular occurrence, though. Yeah, um, that's just a treat. But though for you. to be clear, if they beg for it, I mean, I'll basically do anything the listeners say. <laughs> yeah, check out our OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I guess we do need to start saying things like that, though. Like, we don't have an OnlyFans, but follow us on Instagram. I loved your little comment. Um, we're socialists, and so follow us on socials. Thank I was you. just like, she's genius. Thank you. This is why she's my co-host. <laughs> 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 Yeah, those three years in marketing are paying off. I do want to say, like, okay, first off, we're starting a new thing. So how how what's trending? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I nailed it. We're working on our intro. What's trending for me this week? Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, in general, the week has been a little bit strange. I had like a family. I had some family drama. And uh, am I supposed to talk about my life or my outfits? Both, dude. But I'm very much in like a fall mood. Like, okay, okay well, there was some family drama, but I'm very it's much gloomy. in a fall. The, the, the theme <laughs> okay. is gloom. Uh, the thing is gloom. Okay. Yeah, like, I mean, I hate having issues with family members, but I do like being in my feelings sometimes because, like, I was about to break up with my therapist. Not to, not to like humble brag, but like, uh, why? Wait, why? Because I don't have anything to talk about. Because I'm. <laughs> I just feel like but not I mean obviously there's things from my past I could work through but when we talk every two weeks I'm like twiddling my thumbs so this will be some good content for me and Denise to to go over but so there was that like I was just listening to Frank Ocean on repeat and like started which album orange oh yeah god so yeah. And started drinking rosé at 4 p.m. today. Yes. Okay, it wasn't actually because I was sad. It was because I was trying to clean out my fridge because I'm going to San Francisco this weekend. Yeah. And I have a bunch of frozen watermelon and, like, sorbet from our girls' weekend. Yeah. And so I made a, a rosé and then drank it and then when I, like, rolled a cigarette because my boyfriend left his Amsterdam shag in my house. Mm, that's what kind of boyfriend he is. <laughs> And then I went downstairs to see my sister, and I was like, I'm drunk. And she was like, me too. (laughs) I love this. What? Because she what? She'd been working at a cafe. I mean, there's no real reason. She just ingested (laughs) alcohol. But um, yeah, so I am really feeling the fall vibes, though it is making me feel like I want new clothes. Like, I feel like I had been, it had been a couple weeks where I was like, I love my wardrobe. I don't need more clothes. And now I'm in the space of like, Wanting to wear more chic, um, like, toned down, not toned down, but, like, less colorful outfits, some more darker colors, like, some leather, just, like, simple, but, like, I don't know exactly how to describe it. 
Is it kind of like Mina Lee's style? What's that? Mina Lee? Oh, Mina Lee. Our girl, Mina well, Lee. I don't know. I mean, her style is very like schoolgirl Victorian. Yeah, but I thought leather and kind of like simple. I think of that because I feel like it is, but I do feel like it's like it is Victorian in yeah. some some ways. But it's not. It's the twenties. It's like right. it's a mixture of of various things. Yeah, it might just be. I mean, I was just in the process of packing because I'm going to San Francisco this weekend. Yeah, just like a really quick trip. So I was like trying to channel that like city girl vibe and. Yeah, I don't know if I was nailing it in other places. Um, yeah, I want to sign up for screen printing class, but I'm going to do the sewing class. Oh, with our girl, Elisa? Yeah, I really just want to like make sure I'm sewing a little bit, but... <sighs> 200, a $200 investment is a good way to, to make sure that happens. Yeah, your life sounds great and sad at the same time. <laughs> it's mostly good. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I feel like uh, you have every right to be upset. I just want to justify, because I feel like sometimes we feel bad about being upset. Yeah, I don't know. Don't feel guilty about it. I mean, I feel guilty all day. I know. Every day. I know you do. That's what I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to give you a pass here. Thank you. But yeah, anyway, what's been trending for you? Um, also, I feel like when I was saying uh, that's what kind of boyfriend he was, I meant like he's the kind of boyfriend that rolls cigarettes. That's mm-hmm. literally all I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just like harping on the words and I was like, Brian's going to hear this and he's going to be like, what the fuck does Jackie mean? But also, I'm also very much in my feelings. So I'm very sensitive to everything. Um, maybe we shouldn't have a podcast. (laughs) No, what? How dare you? (laughs) Are we going to break up live in front of our audience? No, hell no. I want to keep doing this forever. I do too. But I think I really have been grappling with what it means, even though no one listens to this podcast. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty sure our combined listens at this point is less than our combined sexual partners. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, uh, I'm a coworker. I make my coworkers listen to this. Yeah, but but what does it mean to be transparent? What does it mean to put opinions out, knowing that, and put your life out there, knowing that people are going to hear? I think there you can like we can get rid of avoid any names, you know. But also, I think. Uh, fuck it. Like, you know, like, I think there's, like, it's just how you feel about it. You, mm-hmm. And communicating around with other people about how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. And navigating that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I would never openly discuss something about my partner and I's fighting habits to continuously on air because that could cause some more trauma to the, the situation. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That makes more sense to me. So are we cutting that? I mean, well, Stephen and I broke up. I guess we could cut that. Because I also just think that's not interesting for people to hear about, you know? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. is. It is. People love to hear the hot goss. I mean, in general, I love hot goss. Oh, yeah. But I'm also just like, yeah, we broke up. And there's nothing really more to it than the fact that it just wasn't working. Um, and I still love him and care for him, but also whatever. Um, and I also don't feel like it's the most important thing that's happening in my life mm-hmm. as much as like... I want it to be. It's just not. And I'm also doing a bunch of things at my job. And, like, those are things I don't really want to talk about because, yeah, who knows. Mm -hmm. But I, right now, I'm having a fly infestation and at work and here. And I'm glad because I talked to Hope and Hope also had one. So I'm glad that we're also both, like, gross. But there was something else I was going to, I just got back from a massage. In general, I don't know. My life is... I don't know. 
I always kind of freak out because I'm just like, who am I? Well, what do you mean? Why? Because of the flies? I Sure. But also just like, because <laughs> I'm like, when anybody asks me like what's going on with my life, I have like uh existential crisis in the sense of like, how am I? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why I keep, that's why I always talk about my sister. It's like people ask how I'm doing and I'm like, well, here's what's happening with my sister. It's like, that's. I don't know, more interesting to me. Yeah, why is it more interesting to you? Well, I guess maybe it's not that it's more interesting. It's just that, like, she's just an extension of myself. Yeah. So it's like... Well, it's also safer. And also nothing's happening to me. Like... Yeah. It's like I have a job that's pretty good or that I like. Yeah. And I'm just, like, super in love. (laughs) And that's all. Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and your hair is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, continuously. I feel like my hair is thinning, and your hair is getting thicker by the moment. I don't think your hair is thinning. You wouldn't think that, but I think that. You know what I mean? Like, I see it every day. I have, like, 1,800 pictures where I'm, like, looking at my hairline. And it is. It is getting thinner. I don't know what's up with it. I think it might be stress. Also, I'm like, birth control, what is it? It's like your hairline's receding? Um, Not receding. It's just, like, the part is getting, like, mm. I just, like, I don't know, you guys. I saw on TikTok there was this one comedian, yeah, as I do, that uh, definitely brought it up and was just like, this is, just so you know, a lot of women are experiencing this. Really? And, yeah, but, like, water? I wanted to, I knew Hope was going to have this reaction because Hope has, like, the most hair. <laughs> That's the most gorgeous well, amount of hair. What do you mean? What's my reaction? Am I gaslighting you? No, not at all. Not at all. But you would be, like, shocked to hear about it because your hair is perfect. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, I know that people's <laughs> hair falls out. No, but I think at, like, 30, most women's hair starts to thin. And I feel like I need other people, like, I take, uh, like, a lot of pictures of my hairline. And I feel like a lot of other women have that in their phone as well. Mm. You know? It, like a record? Like a record of their hairline. Yeah, just to kind of like see if it's just that, you know, it's just like a, a picture that you take to see if it's like people, I'm sure men do it to mm-hmm. see if they're balding in the back of their head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am definitely going through that. But I'm also just like, um, yeah, I'm going to probably get some hair stuff. Yeah, I see a lot of products. I mean, I've been wanting to do something like that for my eyebrows. You, like, Yeah, you have great eyebrows too. No, I don't. I think you do. They're so thin. I disagree, but that's okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. What do you want to do, microblade? Well, I was going to try the serums to make it grow in and then try microblading. I'm just – there's just a lot of, like, procedures I want to get done in the $200 range. So it's, like, which to choose, you know? I want to get, like, my – this thing lasered off. What is that? It's like a broken blood vessel. Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm really, really close to Hope's face right now. (laughs) We're basically about to kiss. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't even notice that. I was listening to our new favorite podcast, Celebrities Memoir Books. They bring up about the investing of how we look as people. Like Mm. now there's just pressure to not, to spend, to like have money and get a job or whatever. But it's also pressure to invest in your looks. Hmm. And how debilitating that can be. It's like if you're not spending time on your, it's just like oh, there's just so many things that we have to do, and one of and like investing in our looks doesn't need to be another attribute of ourselves. So like people even now, like just normal people, are expected to look amazing at all times. In Seattle, though, like that's why I like living here. And it's like <laughs> usually when I say this, it's a knock on Seattle, but like truly, like when I visit Southern California, which is like I never do because none of my family lives there anymore, but. 
I feel pressure to look better. Yeah. No, I don't think in Seattle you're accurate. Also, like, at my job, no one gives a shit. Yeah. I, I do still, though. But, like, I'm pro, like, getting surgery. I'm You know me. Like... Well, so, like, when you think about the pressure to look good, what kinds of things would you feel pressure to do? Well, I mean, microbrilling is a big one. Like, yeah. having those eyebrows, like, I think... Uh, getting my lashes is really important to me. Mm. Um, I definitely want to get filler. Just like a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. And I also want to get like Botox. Just a tiny, tiny amount. Yeah. And I'm also interested in doing lip filler. Mm. And I'm also interested in doing like fake hair extensions. Like I want it all that isn't. And then when I when I turn 36 or 37, I think I'm going to get like the chin. Um, What's it called? Help me out here. Help. I don't know. I don't know what I'm called. making a gesture. Like chin lift, chin lift, face lift. But you were lifting your cheeks. Oh, yeah. But because it's like it's the sagging that like it's happening even now. But like also, no one should feel this pressure to do that. But I just want to like, I don't know. I believe in looking heteronormative, fucking attractive. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's it's embedded in me. I I try to psychoanalyze myself, and then I'm like, no, just don't, just don't do it. Too much hurt brain. Yeah, it's. It is hard because there is a lot of rhetoric out there that's about, like, not doing any of that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know that how you look affects how people respond to you in the world, you know. Yeah, and I think it's gotten harder is what I'm saying. Like, mm. do you, to, to maintain attractiveness, you have to have your lips filled, I feel like, at this point. I definitely do not feel that way. Like, I feel like you just see these women who all look the same and, again... Like, nothing knocking them, but it's like, yeah, they all look the same. They all have the Instagram face. Yeah. Was it on that same podcast that they said, to be attractive, it's just good teeth, good skin, good good hair? hair. Yeah. And I've always said that, too. Like, that has been, me, I've always said that. (laughs) I was talking to Brian about that, and he, I mean, yeah, he didn't really buy it. Why doesn't he buy that? Because I think it is. I, it, did he say a, like symmetry or something? Did he say something about symmetry? Because I feel like a lot of people talk about symmetry. And that might be a thing. But I do think it, a lot of it is just like good skin. Like having good skin. Mm-hmm. Well, and like with hair, it does. It's like, okay, this is going to maybe come off mean. But a lot of times you see women whose faces aren't like particularly conventionally attractive. But then they do hot girl hair. And it's like, it's like men don't can't look in between the hot girl hair they just see hot girl yeah because it's like i love that you i don't know i don't know if that's true but you don't think like like what do you what do you consider hot girl hair because i consider hot girl hair a mullet as we know conventionally hot girl hair like um like like a bob like like, um (laughs) no like kind of long long blonde waves like curled waves oh yeah like that is good hair though should we transition to talking about our first topic? Can we talk about our outfits first? Yeah. Should we do OOTD? Yeah, let's do it. What's out? What does that mean? Outfit of the day. Okay. Um, and the lights are off. Uh, I am wearing um, my high. I'm. We're not breaking up, by the way, are we? No. Okay. You said it earlier, and I now I'm just like, wait, we're not, right? I can't. I. 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 I would go into a whole... It would be harder for me than Stephen and I's breakup. Oh, my God. It would be. <laughs> it would be. It would be very sad. It's, it, this brings me so much joy. Like, I love any hobby that makes people talk to me more. I agree. I feel the same like, way. Like, about things I'm interested in. Right. Same. And people have been messaging me, like, 
things to read or just like topics to do. Mostly, okay, mostly you, Matt, and Brian. (laughs) (laughs) About fashion and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Brian wants us to do an episode on barefoot shoes. I mean... There's a whole thing. It's like... I mean, we could. We are totally... Maybe not a whole episode, but... uh, Because I have opinions about them, for sure. Who does it? Ew, right? Like, I just already... Ew, right? Yeah. The whole joke is, like, if you see anybody with them, you're like, no. Definitely. But but people wear them, and I like them. Like, I like the person. Yeah. And it's like, I do believe that it could be good for your feet to, like, not wear shoes. Okay. Well, there we go. We talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That one's for you, Ryan. Um... Oh, your OTD. Okay, so I'm wearing my circus dress is what I call it. It's like different stripes. It's from New Works, which, okay, here's my opinion about New Works. Very cool, like, simple designs for clothes, which you anybody could copy, and I feel like it's way too expensive for the fucking shit fabric that they mm. use. They use such bad quality of fabric and price it up because it's, like, in fashion, like, aligned outfits, like... Well, and because they're making it, like, not overseas and, like, paying people well, I, I'm assuming. I'm assuming, right? too. I'm assuming. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. But, like, every time I buy from New Works, which is not that often, but often enough to where I'm always like, damn, this fabric is shitty. Mm. Um, and the color kind of goes away fast. So that's my opinion. But I, I will probably buy more stuff from New Works, just not. What a what a nuanced review! I know, just because I like I do like their prints and I do like their um, cuts. Hmm. So, and right now I'm wearing one of their what I call the umbrella circus dress, which I'm really into. Okay, and you're wearing high socks, which are coming back. I didn't know they ever went away. Okay, I feel like Louis C.K. made a a joke about how like fucking hot it was, oh. and I'm like. Gross. So I stayed away from him a really long time. Just the way he talked about it. I was just like, why does this ugly fucking dude, he's funny, yes, but like get to say these gross things about women and mm-hmm. like everybody's cool about it. It's like if a a, per, a woman that's quote unquote ugly got on stage and said something really sexual about men, first off, it would all be gross. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like a weird thing to say. It made me feel real uncomfortable. And I was like, I can't wear it because gross men like him mm-hmm. will stare at it yeah but he's not wrong at the same time <laughs> sometimes he sometimes he hits the nail on the head no he always did except for being a total perv so that's okay like, well it's not perverted to want to jack off in front of people but it isn't nice to do it without asking he, or when yeah. you're in a power dynamic yeah but he gives perv vibes that's all i'm saying yeah 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 and 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 he's constantly in a power dynamic because he has power he's famous right and a white male yeah so it's hard yeah just like keep it to yourself dude but the fact that he can't is just yeah. part of it anyways yeah we are pro jacking off in front of people that's just what we wanted to say yeah, for whatever reason i'm coming out really strongly in front of this and, no and, and, i think we need to be pro kink it's just consent is always the sticky totally, issue totally and power dynamics also the sticky issue yeah i mean i haven't seen a lot of people jack off in public so i feel like it's still novel for me like the last time i saw someone was when i was in the amazon like in iquitos and like, someone was doing it kind of, like, gesturing towards me and, like, had, like, a menacing look on their face. Oof. As if, like, they were, like, pulling one on me. Oof. And I was kind of like, I mean, you're the one with your dick out. Like. Yeah. Um, anyhow. Okay. So, you're also wearing cowboy boots. Are those new? These are new. They're a little too big, so I'm sliding around in them. But I'm committed to these babies. Dude, I am so into the cowboy boots. I, I've been noticing. Happening. I've been seeing it. Okay. Yeah. So, I saw this 
woman on TikTok. Her outfits were sickening, and uh, I was like, one in all of them, but they're all mini skirts. Mm. How are you supposed to wear mini skirts without having tall socks? Interesting. I just, I was just packing for San Francisco, and I think I'm going to do a mini skirt tomorrow, and was debating high socks, but I actually feel like it's hard to do high socks with a mini skirt because without feeling like a schoolgirl. You might be right, but I just like, otherwise it just doesn't look right to me. I think the lines just don't look right to me. But she did that. She had high, but she also had cowboy boots that were thigh highs. Mm. And they were light blue. Yeah. Um, anyhow, okay. I need you to give, an, give me an honest review on my outfit. I just got these pants in Reno that's like a high waist plaid pant. I, Not buttoned. I, <laughs> yeah, I just had a big dinner. And they fit really well okay. though, but I haven't figured out how I want to style them. It's like, it's weird because I always wear trousers, but for whatever reason, I haven't made an outfit with them yet. Where with I felt these like, ones? With the ones I'm wearing. Now. Yeah. Oh, well, I like it. What is there not to like about it? What are you, what are you worried about? I just, I'm not worried about anything. I just, I'm carefree hope over here. <laughs> I literally have not a care in the world. Rosé at four. Is like <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, not rosé all day, but the better part of the evening. Uh, yeah, so I paired the plaid pants with like a square-necked kind of silky floral Did shirt. Did you hem I, this? Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was real old lady vibes before, and... I also took it in on the sides. You did a really good job of hemming Thank and you. altering. Thanks. Claws. Yeah, I feel like my outfit is fine. And also, I only put it on like an hour ago, so it's yeah, like... you threw it on is what you're saying. You uh, didn't put a lot of thinking. Well, on. I did. I tried on like a million outfits to oh, get okay. ready for my trip, but I guess the point is like, I haven't been living my day in this outfit. So it's like, is it my outfit of the day? (laughs) I mean, same. I was wearing my work clothes. Yeah, I mean, my true outfit of the day. Like, it's fall. Like, I've been in my bathrobe. I know, fuck me, because I've just been, like, working from home in my bathrobe with a blanket around me. No, not fuck you. That is what the world should be. That is what the world should be. So, like, you're just living the right life. Like, you got the life. Uh, I just, like, stare at my dog all day. I pet her, like, every 15 minutes. Yeah. I think that's ideal. I mean, there might be a codependency problem there, sure. But, like, I think it's ideal for everybody. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, what can you be more sure of in the world? Like, I I hope that we're friends for a long time. Me too. But. But. <laughs> I know that Lulu will love me. Love until the day she dies. Yeah, no questions about us. Like, I don't know if I can provide unconditional love, you know, like she can, but yeah. Okay, so let's let's get into the the juicy stuff, shall we? Um, yes, let's do it. Okay, so the first topic we're talking about is fashion in the tech world, which is a really broad thing. Specifically, we're talking about fashion that tech bros wear so what comes to mind for you uh fashion that tech bros wear oh god i think of a steve jobs like turtleneck but like what i really mean by that is just like a sense of not caring yeah or a presentation of not caring yes and almost like showcasing that and if anybody does care knocking people down Mm -hmm. even though they're choosing to to showcase a certain kind of fashion they're even within that you know yeah anyways um you pretty much hit the nail on the head um okay so we both read this article on real life mag that is written by 
Um, Drew Austin. Drew Austin, that name. I now follow him on Twitter. He follows me back, so he's he's an A plus in my book. Okay, I, I send this fucking podcast to him. And say, oh, just so you know, Drew, your name's in here. You're going to probably want to listen to this and see what we're saying. Yeah, we say your name at least three times, Drew Austin. Yeah, and this article's hot off the press, August 16th, 2021. Uh, For for this day and age, though, it's not. That's true. It's old news, yeah. But, But, so, this article talks about tech and fashion, and this was a take that I hadn't heard before, which was that, like, the lack of effort into dressing exhibited by the tech world is actually emblematic of their lack of investment into the public sphere. Um, so, okay, I'm going to start reading some quotes partly because I need to jog my memory because I'm pretty sure I did this research like two weeks ago. I mean, same. I read it like two weeks ago. Yeah, okay. So, while the tech industry's fashion sensibility or lack thereof is hardly its most glaring problem, its attitude towards clothing does illuminate its characteristic attitude toward public space. Ooh. As well as its hopes to internalize any benefits it creates. Fashion is a mode of display that enriches public space and a culture's shared meanings. But as it enters the culture, it ceases to strictly belong to anyone. It can be observed and often copied without having to pay anyone for the privilege. That is, it creates positive externalities, benefits for which people don't have to explicitly pay but can enjoy just by being present in shared space. This acts as a beneficent, uh, beneficent spiral with personal style in the public sphere, enhancing each other's significance. So people in the tech world benefit off of fashion when it happens on Instagram. But so that, okay, like that's what I thought was interesting about this was that like Instagram is basically trying to monetize yeah. this public display of right. fashion. Right. And it reminds me of some of the stuff we talked about in school where like the act of seeing and being seen is a really important aspect of public space. Like yeah. when cultural movements are happening and you're starting to see gay people holding hands in public, interracial couples, like uh, people wearing certain things like that used to be taboo or like whatever. Like you see them, you don't see them by staying in private spaces, staying in your home. Like you see them by being on the bus, being on the streets being in public spaces. And so, like, I had never really thought about Mm. fashion like that before. I mean, I think we do think of that in, like, festivals and whatnot, where, like, part of the event is seeing the outfits people create, the costumes. And so by putting effort into your costume, your outfit, you're actually adding to the party. You're, like, adding excitement or, like, literal sparkle, you know? Right, well, that kind of goes inside with the white supremacy aspect of looking at fashion and minimalism too because it's just like culture and fashion go hand in hand Mm -hmm. and like really to showcase culture is through fashion right and I think what white supremacy wants to do is spread so the the best way to do it is to homogenize Mm. so (laughs) it's like getting rid of fashion interesting so like I feel like tech world is a real big showcase of like homogenizing and making sure everybody looks the same so white supremacy can reign. Hmm. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it like that, but that's interesting. Um, uh, you can't like, you can't have a culture and be in a tech world. Like you really have to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and it gets more into this, more into that in a point. So in other words, fashion conveys not just specific trends or an individual's personal style, but a sense of the public itself. Of shared space. Fashion implies a desire to see and be seen 
while affirming the need for public spaces and occasions where that seeing can occur. Which is what how I've talked about trends in the past too, which is like when I participate in a trend, it's kind of cheesy and sounds totally made up, but it's like, I do feel like I'm participating in a collective consciousness of like seeing someone wearing something and being like, oh cool, yeah, I wanna wear that too. And right. what Instagram does is monetizes that where like you see someone wearing something and you can literally click and Ugh, buy it. I hated that. And so instead of the public benefiting, Instagram gets money from those right. interactions. They become transactions. Yeah. Okay, so then, yeah, Drew Austin. Drew Austin. I know. The fifth time we said it. Yeah, we can't remember anyone's <laughs> names we've ever talked about on this podcast, but we're just going to like, yeah, name drop them into the ground. So, okay, media platforms have become crucial theaters for fashion but without the virtuous spiral that fashion forms with public space. Instead, platforms are specifically designed to make any value generated by fashion into something measurable and exploitable. Fashion on platforms is simply an informational commodity. Um, Wait, can you say that last sentence again? Fashion on platforms is simply an informational commodity. So what does that mean? It's, what does a commodity mean? Like a, Real quick. Like a good, like a... Like a, a selling thing. Something you sell. Yeah. Okay. So information, a selling information. Yeah. Okay. The end of that sentence was that translates into algorithmic rankings, ad valuations, and ca- cash transactions. So so I guess like even if you don't oh. make, even if you don't make money, even if they don't make a sale when someone posts a picture of an outfit, they get, there's... Uh, engagement with the platform which also does benefit them yeah so yeah I guess that's um, I mean like do they sell their data they have to right that's what every company does yeah so that's so like anytime you're engaging they're winning because they can sell more data right um okay so we're talking about how tech monetizes fashion but at the same time the tech realm like eschews any fashion for themselves and so we know like, okay, we've got the, the turtleneck, we've got like the hoodies and this, you, you've heard of like the idea that like you wear the same thing every day so that you don't have to make more decisions. That was like Steve Jobs thing was you don't want to use extra brain power deciding an outfit because you just want to be productive. Yeah. Which goes along with like Soylent and like shit like that where it's like, yeah, I don't want to think about my meals. I don't want to think about my clothes. I'm just going to like wear my turtleneck, drink my Soylent and be a machine. Yeah. So this article, do I have to say every single source? Well, you can just throw it out there. Hannah Murphy, how to dress tech Tech bro. So they're talking about Allbirds. What is Allbirds? It's a wool shoe company. I've heard about it because you told me that uh, Brian wore Allbirds at one point, right? Before I knew him, yeah, he got rid of them because of the ridicule surrounding them. (laughs) Just so you know, he is not the person that wears them anymore. Yeah. But what is the ridicule? I think that they just got adopted by tech people because it is a shoe that you can wear every day. And it's maybe a price point that tech... Oh, I've seen this. Shoe. I mean, it looks like a, like a Nike, basically, right? Like kind It of, looks like, like a shoe I've seen on a tech boy. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, oh, those flats are hideous, Yeah, though. those flats are really ugly. But they're made of wool, and they're supposed to be... Sustainable. Sustainable. But, like, again, sustainable is one of those words that we throw out a lot. Mm-hmm. There's no regulation on it. My version of sustainable could be different from your version of sustainable. Yeah, and I mean, okay, it's made of wool, which has its own supply chain that I don't know anything about. Okay, rubber comes from a plant. Leather is it, from a cow, so, like, maybe we could say that that's pretty unsustainable comparatively. So it's just, like, 
plastic, as long as it's not plastic, it's sustainable. I think that's what people think. Plastic, okay, let's compare. Plastic doesn't have a really great end of life. It's like 500 million or something, you know. What a what an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not really great. I, I think what sustainable could mean is end of life mm-hmm. because that does come, it does come down to that. Does mm-hmm. it biodegrade? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like adding more materials into our shoescape is a good thing. You know, like we don't want to be making all of the shoes in the world out of leather or rubber. It's just like probably good to have diversity in that system. They also, I think, last a decent amount of time, the wool shoes. Like they are like decent quality. Yeah. Um, so and they're that. breathable. There are things that are pro and I would say like I prefer a natural fabric <laughs> over a non-natural fabric. Go for it. I'm trying not to sneeze while you're you're saying your your good stuff. My good stuff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was taking it back. <laughs> but uh, but okay, I think the Allbirds kind of fit into this like you tech uniform. And this article says, like, the the dogma is that minimalism and monotony yield extra productivity. Quote, I really want to clear my life to make it so that I have to make as few decisions as possible about anything except how to best serve this community. Mark Zuckerberg declared. Oh my When asked about his single shade of gray wardrobe. It was actually funny because I brought this up with my dad who prescribes to this ideal. That's what I'm saying. Again, it's like rooted in white supremacy. Well, and he was like, actually, I've seen Mark Zuckerberg wearing a lot of suits. Oh, and I was like, no. I was like, you know why? Because he's been in court. That's why people are seeing photos of wearing suits because people are seeing him literally, literally photos of him defending himself in court. That's where he's wearing well, suits. Well, okay, why is he in court right now? There was the scandal with the political ads. Well, I know Facebook is also on the chopping block in the sense of it's constantly on the chopping block, but like for now they're kind of their own government because they've like gotten all these powerful people making decisions on who stays on Facebook and who doesn't. Like Trump was Mm -hmm. like the big decision. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's a big issue. Like Twitter banning Trump, like the way that we move forward with this issue is going to be really important. Like we don't really want tech companies making those choices, in my opinion. No, I don't either. But at the same time, like we can't give a platform for people to like that radicalizes people in such a violent way. You know what I mean? But like how, how are we not, how's that not going to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just like, it's a communication tool. I mean, my sister wrote an article about this recently, so. Really? Yeah. Um, you want to you want to say the article name? I don't remember the article name, but her name is Vanessa Freedy. It was on the cut the conversation it was a journal, but um, okay. So according to Silicon Valley fashion stylist named Victoria Hitchcock, the sweatshirt is a symbol of the anti-conformist. It says, "You need the value of what I offer. I'll put my feet up on the desk. I'll wear my dirtiest jeans. It's about being comfortable and not changing for every anybody," she says. But the minute it becomes a uniform, it's lost its purpose. That's the irony. So she's talking about how a lot of tech guys have actually turned to designers and like, yes, they're wearing hoodies and sweatshirts, but they're actually wearing like upscale brands. Yes, they're exp- they're buying expensive hoodies. Yeah, bomber jackets and whatever. So she's talking about the clients she works with and these people are paying $2,000 minimum and they're coming to her and they're trying to look like they don't care. I'm so mad right now. I know. I'm like going one to 100. I'm trying to be chill, but like I really want to scream. So, okay, she says, I work with men of all ages and they all have different needs. A lot of my younger clients, for example, want to look professional because they're dealing with people who are double their age. They have to look good and they have to look really good if they want to get that financing or grab a room's attention. Um, Usually the older clients, they tend to be former Wall Street guys who've landed big jobs in tech, um, but they like want to fit in with the young guys and they don't, they don't know what to wear besides a suit in like a business context. And they come, they come to her saying like, how do I shave like 10 years off? 
She calls it effortless style rather than minimalism. <gasps> the goal- oh, okay. So we need to make sure, I think, as a collective, when we see effortless style, just plug in minimalism mm-hmm. and actually plug in white supremacy. <laughs> That's what I... <laughs> <laughs> So there the is. goal is to look like you don't care about style. There's a difference. Uh, I know. And she says, there's a difference between not caring about fashion and not caring about yourself. I want them to invest in themselves. I also know that if they dressed like they cared about style, it would look strange. That's not what this world is about. If you worked in computers your whole life, but then you wear a really cool outfit to a presentation, the appearance just doesn't match. What the fuck? I know. What what does that even mean? Yeah. Okay, it's not include like okay, black women coming in with style. Oh, sorry, I'm just getting so mad because I've also seen a lot of TikToks where there's like one black woman who was a physics and she's like her first day, she was like basically crying about how awful it is in the tech world. Mm. And it's just like people that come from different cultures that are usually fly as fuck that come up for a presentation, even though they work with computers. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just makes me like, what the? F- why? Why can't you look like a stoner fucking surfer dude? Like, mm-hmm. my favorite aesthetic. This is me kind of going off topic, but is like stoner skater board like look like Tyler, Tyler the Creator oh, for like. And I feel like tech bros could tap into that. Right. So is that like bucket hats? Like what? yeah, like Hawaiian sh- like not even Hawaiian shirts, but like. Large, like loud patterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like interesting cuts. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That makes me want to wear like my sweater vest that I like that's colorful. Yeah, and high high socks sometimes that are di- different colors and like. Anyways, yeah, it's like there's nothing about tech or computers that make it so that a person shouldn't have style. That's what I'm confused by this argument that that's not what the world is about like if you worked in computers your whole life but then wear a really cool outfit to a presentation the appearance doesn't match like it's because they want to be like a computer it's weird because it's not it hasn't always been that way where like caring about appearance appearances was a feminine thing but it does feel like that's part of it yes and like oh these pants are starting to get itchy do you just want to take them off it's totally cool with me Take them off, and then if you want to like put on a skirt or something to feel more comfortable, or a dress or whatever. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay, pause. Yeah. So, okay. Last quote. Um, The interviewer says, like, the men in tech have developed a reputation that they are lazy about fashion. Is that true? She says, maybe a decade ago it was, but today they care. They're interested in it because there's a lot of people competing in their fields, and they have to look good to compete. They are also making more money than ever. They are all making several hundred thousand dollars a year and they are spending all that cash. They just don't want you to know that they are doing it. They, they're actually way more into luxury fashion than you think. No, absolutely. I also, okay, here's my other thing where I think it is. It's like, because computer scientists are wealthy right off the bat. If you're a computer scientist, you're probably making over 100 G, mm-hmm. which is a big disparity. And I don't understand why we value computer science over social work. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I'm, it pisses me off because it's, again, it's because it's white men deciding that computer science is the most important thing. Well, and it's because we think that capitalism gets to decide. Like, if there's a market for it and if it's making money, then it's that's just the way the cookie crumbled. Like, that's where the money goes. It's like people act as though there's not any other option. They're like, they're like well, that's, that's supply and demand for you. Uh, yeah. I'm also, like, mad because I know this whole effortless look, a.k.a. white supremacy, is really just a way not to show off your wealth. 
Mm-hmm. because they know will kill them, probably. <laughs> like, you can't be flaunting it too often, right? Right, like you were saying that the French Revolution, there's way more disparity than there was at the time of the French Revolution. Yeah. And uh, those people dressed fancy. But, yeah, and I think the big thing that was, like, they were showcasing their wealth, and I feel like people, and what, especially wealthy people, have learned to not show off their wealth. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, that kind of bleeds into, like, it, well, minimalism and this whole thing is, again, so focused on productivity and being as efficient as possible with your clothes. Mm-hmm. It's just like, why is there no play? Why is there no creativity? Why is there no access to that? It's, mm-hmm. it's just so so sad and boring on top of it being problematic. It's, I just like, ugh. And yeah. the classism that goes behind it, it's just the, it just like breeds into this whole mindset that I'm better than you because I am efficient with my clothes and think about sustainability um, versus thinking about and caring about fashion. Yeah, it feels like, I've definitely had that thought before of like, if people know how much I think about clothes and spend time putting together outfits Will they judge me for not having other interests? Will they think that I don't care about other things? Because, like, yeah, I mean, you only have so many hours in a day. So, like, we're trained to think, like... Well, it's because men have decided, again, what, like, we've... we sh- It's valuable. And, like, even though it's so confusing, because as we know, the billionaire has made money off of fashion. And we we also know men dominate the fashion world as designers. So it's, like... Even when I'm saying men have decided a lot of this, and I know women are behind it too, I I know and understand that, but predominantly men, mm-hmm. um, it's like they're deciding what is a valuable topic mm-hmm. because of again white supremacy and like this patriarchal system that we align with. So like valuing fashion is seen as not it's dumb mm-hmm. and uh, like you said, feminine. Yeah, yeah, I feel for my my friends in tech. Like I first of all. The whole time I've been working in my office, there's basically, like, not been anyone there because of the pandemic, but, like... Thank God. When I... Yeah, when I go in, it's, like... A fashion show? When you go in, the red carpet comes well, down. Well, it's, like, you go in and it's, like, you your boss looks you up and down and you're, like, wearing cowboy boots in the office and you're, like, there's a moment of, like, recognizing that what you're wearing is, is not typical, but it's, like, my job, they don't care. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's not it's not common, but they're not, like, thinking that I'm lesser. Maybe they are, but I don't feel that way. I just, like, I feel for people who work in fields that are more male-dominated than mine. Well, also, if, like, you're a woman of color mm-hmm. or a non-binary person of color, you're trying not to stand out all, as much as you already are, right? Right. I feel like that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Anyways. And I also feel like people of color have better sense of fashion, anyways, mm-hmm. in general. So it's like they have to tone down their f- the flair. Right. The sense of existing just to, f- to fit into this uh, really sad and depressing reality of, com- like, the tech world just, I don't know. I just hate the tech world. I think there, I mean, I hate capitalism, right? Well, and I was wondering, like, is this unique... Like, when you think about finance and other historically male-dominated rich industries, like, I wouldn't call that, like, a space of fashionistas either. No, but they do wear, like, brand names, like Gucci. I don't think right. there's... Uh, there. It's not It's not always aesthetically pleasing. It, it's definitely a look of being a finance dude. And mm-hmm. mind you, it's not... But it, it, I don't think they're ever discriminating against the idea of, like, buying high 
couture mm-hmm. shit. Right, and they can have like nice like uh, cuff links or like yeah a nice tie. It does. It always is funny to me like when I see not that I see these that often, but like a guy in a suit who's like clearly like a finance bro or something, but then they have like silly socks, and it's like oh you poor poor uh, thing. Oh yeah, this is your one little place. I know to the express socks. Yourself. And ah! It's like yeah. oh my god. Yeah, it's, I've. Yeah. It happens a lot. I think men feel like their only creative space is their socks. I remember Steven telling me that. Really? Yeah. He's like, well, I have some crazy socks. I feel like... <laughs> oh, I got some crazy <laughs> socks. Wait till you see these socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just also just, again, like, works into, like, what men think is fashion. I mean, I still think, like, Wall Street shit is still bullshit. Like, I hate it. It's not a good look. Mm-hmm. But at least, like... I don't feel like there is any, at least, and I mean barely, at least there's a, a, an authenticity mm-hmm. of, like, this is very valuable. Mm-hmm. This is very, like, a lot of money I'm spending on myself mm-hmm. versus this tech world where they're, like, spending money on themselves but, like, trying to make it look like they don't. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like discriminating against people that want to have a, a sense of fashion. Mm-hmm. It's... Really just the worst. Like, I don't know. That's my hottest take. That's my hottest take, too. I'm calming down. I'm kind of, like, maybe a little more tired about it. But I'm just, like, the tech world and this tech bros, we in Seattle have to live by it, beside it, and, like, live in it. And I'm just, like, I'm not into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have some other stuff on tech and fashion, but I think I'll save it. Why? Because I want to talk about Copenhagen Fashion Week. Okay. I feel like we need, like, a pick-me-up now. Because, I, I mean, I don't know. Does Gucci selling a NFT, NFT oh my sound God. like something that's going to perk, perk you up? I mean, it enrages me. I won't be able to go to bed later <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, let's calm you down. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Fashion Week because as I was looking at the coverage, I was seeing a lot of really unique fashion shows. Like you sent the one of the, per, like the big lady with the, the she, it doesn't. The, the various, arms. various she has, arms. She has a lot of arms. And as I was looking into it more... A big lady being, like, tall. Like, she was, like... Tall, it like, looked like five people were stacked up on top of each like other. It was almost like the Nutcracker with the lady with her skirt where, like, kids come out. Yeah. I don't think... I don't know if kids came out, but... No kids came out. That would not be high couture. That was Henrik Vibskov's. It was described as a surreal, doll-like person. But anyhow, as I was reading about these shows, I was kind of starting to think more about the unique way that fashion shows interact with place and with landscape. In that, like, a lot of these shows were taking place at, like... So, like, Ghani's show was at um, the Copenhill building designed by Danish architect Bjark Ingels. Oh, fuck that guy. Oh, really? Do you know Bjark Ingels? Mm -mm. Yes, you do. Big. Huh? Big architecture. Google it right now. Oh, no. You definitely know. He's, like, the most famous architect in our current day and age. Like, look. You remember this, baby? You remember this bullshit? The, like, skiing slope building. Oh, that was his big, like, um... Interesting. Like, sustainable this building. This looks like, um, Mario Kart. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Okay, so I guess the significance is, like, that these designers are picking specific locations to have their shows in. And, like, Sax Pots did... I don't know how that, that's how you say it. They did, uh... Sex Pots? Sax Pots. They did a, a private residence of Danish architect and designer Arne Jacobsen. And then Rotate took guests to a car garage and models emerged from vintage sports cars. 
and like the cars were kind of like parked in the middle and they became part of the show. I was really curious if the models were driving the cars. I could not figure that out from watching the like videos of it, but I was just thinking about like how fashion shows interact with landscape. Like when you have a play, you build a set and you're just creating the set. You're not like staging it in the actual setting. Like the way people are choosing these spaces, it's both reflecting and adding to the meaning of their collection. So oh, I, I, what is your point? I'm, I'm confused on the point. I guess Not like, to be rude, I really wanna like, I, I, I you mean, have something here. You have something and I'm just confused. I think the point is like that Fashion shows are a particular performance medium in where the setting is part of the meaning. I have an example that I wanted to... Okay. We're going to have to pause and Google. Okay. An old P&G. <laughs> oh. Okay, so Madame C.J. Walker was one of the first millionaires to exist in America. I think, like, the self-made millionaire, if, I, if I'm going to describe right. And she was a black woman. Mm. And she came out of slavery. And she realized people didn't have hair products. Women were, a lot of black women were losing their hair because they weren't able to take care of it mm. and have the right products for it. And she created the first hair product that she could sell on a mainstream level. And black people ate it up as they should. They were finally getting their hair back mm-hmm. from these, finally this product. And this is her estate. Mm-hmm. And a black couture show happened. Pyre Moss. Is that the one that did like the really surrealist yes. objects? Yes. Right? Well, you should we look it up. The whole point was blackness. The runway in place is, was important. Right. If you if you're if we're talking about that of like how important like it being a showcasing and also putting it in a the setting is just as inherently as important mm-hmm. as the show itself. Yeah. This would be an example of that. Yes. Okay. Well, and then I was thinking about whether this was unique to Copenhagen Fashion Week or if like that is always how fashion shows have been. And so I went on a little journey to research fashion weeks. Okay. And so do you know what the big four is? Like where fashion weeks No, happen? you got to tell me. What would be your guesses? I, guess I mean, I'm looking at it now. I, okay, hold on. Paris, <laughs> London, Milan. <laughs> oh, stop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so fashion week began in... Paris. Paris began holding couture shows in 1945, and then Milan Fashion Week was founded by the Italian Chamber of Commerce, 1958, London Fashion Week, 1984. So haute couture shows are only allowed to be held in Paris. Most bridal shows are held in New York. Some fashion weeks can be genre-specific, like there's a Rio Summer Fashion Week that focuses on swimwear. There's also, did you know there's a fashion week in Portland? Ooh, I love that. We're close by. October. <gasps> We're going. Wait, I think it's October. Yeah. We We're should... going. Yeah. Um, it's going to be disappointing. <laughs> well, and it's that one's really focused on sustainability. I knew it. I know. Okay, I'm pro-sustainability, but it just feels like, again, it focuses so much on, like, Everlane aesthetic. I would love to be pleasantly surprised. Because I, I would definitely not want to go see a bunch of Everlanes walking down the road. Yeah, we don't want oat milk colors. You know our sta- statement on that. Um, and so how Fashion Week actually began in Paris was that marketers used to hire women to wear couture items in public places. So from racetracks to salons. And these parades gradually became social events of their own. I love that. I know. God, I'm just so jealous. 
But then also New York had its own thing going. In 1903, a New York shop put on what is thought to be the US's first fashion show to actually lure middle-class women into the store. And by 1910, a lot of big department stores were doing this. It's likely that some of these saw fashion parades as they were called in Paris and that they kind of like brought this back to the U.S. Wait, so who was seeing? Oh, retailers. I was like, were these middle-class women going to Paris? No, I think it was like the retailers were, and they brought those ideas back and used them in their stores. But basically, these parades were like an effective way to promote their stores. And, you know, and then obviously they grew and they became staged. They'd often be held in like a shop's restaurant during lunch or tea time. And these shows were usually more theatrical than those of today. They would heavily be based on a single theme, which like arguably some shows are still doing that. And then they'd be accompanied with narrative commentary. They were super popular and thousands of people would come. So crowd so large that stores in New York in the 1950s had to obtain a license to have models come. So then New York Fashion Week actually started with this woman named Eleanor Lambert, who was a publicist in the art world, and she helped set up the New York Dress Institute. Um, And shortly after this was World War II, and since Paris was occupied by Germany in World War II, it was kind of like an opportunity for the U.S. to insert itself as a fashion hub. It was like Paris was busy being occupied by the Germans. So oh, like, shit. They're like, finally, mm-hmm. we we have our time to shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, this also happened during... So can I say, was yeah. Paris like, was there just like a mood of not showcasing fashion? I guess because like Germany was occupying and it was all like, I just see movies and all I can see is gray. Was there grayness? Be- is that is that a real? Can someone check in with it and see, tell me like what the experience was like? Was everybody hiding? Was everybody wearing like what clothes were people wearing back well, then? Well, I feel like being occupied by a military like is kind of a full time job. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, like I know from going over into Lyon um, and doing some research, people were like having to. They didn't have food. There was a lot of like food rations that was mm-hmm. happening. So people like kept rabbits. This is, this is good knowledge. A little tidbit for when the apocalypse hits. Um, rabbit, rabbits are low disease, and they like oh, interesting. they you know you have all, there's a plentiful resource of them if you have a couple. You know, so yeah. people were like having rabbits in their downstairs. But I'm just curious, was were they wearing sweatpants the whole time? Like you know, like we go into COVID. Is that how they treated World War Two? I know, I know, like... I don't think people in Paris ever wear sweatpants. I don't think sweatpants even existed back then. But I'm just, like, curious of the, like, World War II aesthetic. Were people still, like, looking, like, awesome, but just, like, inside their house? This Maybe. Is a, this might sound off-putting, but I this is a genuine question. It does just seem like the kind of time when you wouldn't want to have a parade. Yeah. I mean, there probably isn't a parade. No one was probably, like, trying to showcase. But I'm, I'm wondering what people were doing inside their home. I do not know. Was anybody having, like, secret fashion shows? Or was everybody just, like, so focused on, like, surviving World War II? I doubt that they were having secret fashion shows because it seems like at that time fashion shows weren't glamorous. They were, like, literally a commercial. Like, a very cool commercial. That's I mean, there's still a very cool commercial. That's, that's like, that really hasn't changed. I guess all that's changed is that it's now way more catered to the wealthy. Right. Okay, but anyways. Right, so, okay. So this is happening, and then there became a thing called Press Week in New York. So these kind of these things kind of all, all converged together to set the scene for New York Fashion Week. And so Lambert's premise was simple. Press Week would be held in a centralized location. At that time, that was the Plaza Hotel. 
um, and press, so press from both New York and, and further afield would come and she paid for reporters to get there. And it was only press. Buyers had to schedule separate visits to showrooms. And basically the point was like, they parade these fashion lines, the press would take photos and essentially advertise it. And so from this, like American designers started to emerge. These, I haven't heard of any of these. Claire McArdle, Hattie Carnegie, and Norman Norrell. Carnegie? Isn't Carnegie Hall yeah. not related? We don't know. I don't know if it's related, but... And then Oscar de la Renta, Ralph Lauren. So the nature of these shows transformed over time. Instead of happening in a separate place, designers started choosing the best setting for their vision. So at first, this was mainly department stores and showrooms, but over time, it would be nightclubs, lofts, galleries. So they were like making use of lots of different kind of venues. They were deemed an art form of the 1970s by Andy Warhol. They, these events were attended by Bianca Jagger, Liza Minnelli. I love that Bianca Jagger is such, still, I know. She's I'm, an icon. She's an icon and like, Never did anything but Mary Mick Jagger. I wouldn't say never did anything. She was at the club. She was like she was like a Paris Hilton of the time. She was a socialite. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just like funny. Like they're like like the likes of and they pull out Bianca Jagger as right. like the person. They, yeah. And Liza Minnelli. Both yeah. are very funny characters. Yeah, totally. So then 1980s rolled in and uh, the music got louder. This article points to Betsy Johnson's shows. Doing the cartwheels. Yeah, and uh, so then you have designers Donna Karen says with her 1985 collection of seven easy pieces for the streamlined modern woman, whatever. I mean, that was peak modern woman, whatever that means. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it all went downhill from there. But then by the early 1990s, press and buyers were exhausted. Like these shows were taking place in all these different venues, you know, from small scale apartments to industrial buildings and Fashion Week required them to basically like dash frantically around the city, getting to all these different locations. And then this says the frustrations reached their high in the in 1991 when part of the ceiling collapsed at a Michael Kors show. Oh, uh, to be there. Ugh. I know. So the press were complaining about how hazardous their jobs had become. I love that. I know. <laughs> yeah. Something fell on my head. I mean, they probably were really hurt, but like to compare, I mean, I'm all for like unionizing, but like how hazardous their job have become. Okay, what I But I guess they're all, yeah, they said they're also been like stuck elevators and electricity outages. Oh, terrifying. Yeah, so. I'm like, there's miners is all I'm saying. Right, well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the most dangerous job you can have for sure. But so I guess like the director of the thing said that it needed a new direction and a new location. So that's when they went back to the centralized viewing spot and that's when they put the tents in Bryant Park. Do you remember learning about Bryant Park? I do because it's half public, half private. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Yeah. So they're putting a runway in Bryant Park to commercialize. It's just yeah. interesting because what we learned in school, I feel like every park should go with public private. Mm. Like there should be an after like to showcase that really the park is a symbol still of status mm. in itself. Wait, you're saying that every park should... Should showcase, like, how if they are, like, being privatized slightly. Like, there are parks that are considered public, but also being funded by private companies. Bryant they Park. should make that more... Public. More public. Because I think people think... You mean that they should make it public knowledge? Or yeah. They, okay. I think they should be in the name. Oh, okay. Like, it's like, what, like McDonald's Park? Yes. 
So, so, because people said, like, Bryant is not a total public park. And I think that will, I, I don't know if it will, but I think it would reveal a lot about the space in itself. Because, like, of course the fashion show is going to be showcased at Bryant Park because it's being funded probably by those people that are doing the fashion show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, it's, it's like sometimes these, with the London Fashion Week, it's literally started by the Chamber of Commerce. Like, it's a city sanction. It's like of the city. Yeah. So it's like that is kind of public, even though it's charging people money to get in. It's still like obviously not publicly accessible, but like, yeah, it's blurry, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like they're neat. I don't feel like the normal public that doesn't go to grad school for landscape architecture or planning or whatever have these conversations about like private public spaces. Yeah, I actually, so I went to Waterfall Park. It's kind of my international district. It's just like a waterfall smack dab. I know exactly what you're talking about. And we never talked about it in, in school at all, but I was mentioning it to my boss who said that it's actually owned by UPS. Like, it used to be public, but then it was too expensive. Like, it's actually one of the most expensive parks to operate per square foot. In and it's really small. U- yeah, that's why it's, like, per square foot. Yeah. Because I guess, like, it, yeah, because it's a big fucking waterfall. So UPS eventually took it on because the city couldn't pay for it. That's weird. Yeah. So why don't they just have a fashion show there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. UPS so, is fashion show. Yeah. So that could actually... I know. I'm, like, imagining people coming out of, like, UPS trucks. (laughs) There's something there to be said. Yeah. Oh, like, lost UPS goods. Like, you know there's, like, a pile of clothes. Just, anyways. Anyways. So, okay. Then happens the global explosion in street style and blogging, which also, like, fundamentally changed the nature of Fashion Week because that expanded the way fashion was broadcasted and disseminated. And I hadn't even really thought about that. Like, I mean, I know what street style is, but I didn't think about the fact that like street style photographers, that's a career now. People who go to Fashion Week and take photos of people's outfits that are outside of Fashion Week. Those aren't models. Those aren't designers. I mean, sometimes they are, but they are inherently so. And it's like this whole other kind of like side industry that's like spawned off of it. And so it also makes it a big event to just go and be seen at New York Fashion Week. I love, love, love when New York Fashion Week, I just look at the photos of, of, the, street of the street I'm like they're yeah. always better than the runway oh my god they're so good yeah in Copenhagen fashion week it's oh like, yeah it's so good I have I Pinterest mean, board all of that shit yeah there's people who made entire names for themselves as street style photographers and so this was a decade also marked by the attendance oh wait no the celebrities came to the shows in the 90s anyway um so they also changed locations around this time they moved to Lincoln Center wait what decade was that when the celebrities started coming in the 80s 90s that was like when... Interesting. Uh, yeah, they were saying something like most shows had some celebrity meltdown, which I think is super fun. Wait, which celebrity meltdown? I don't know. That could be a fun thing to go into more of. I, I do know about Kim Kardashian's kid, whatever her name is. It wasn't Kanye's show. I think it was like someone else's show and it was next to Anna Wintour and her kid cried the entire show. Oh my God. And she did nothing about it. Yeah, that sucks. Anyways... So don't bring kids to a fucking fashion show. Yeah. So like, okay, basically there's like a few things here, which is like, it's kind of just interesting to see how fashion week has evolved. It's kind of interesting that like it started as something targeted to the middle class and now is like very much a rich person's event. And it like caters to rich people, though obviously there's all of this like photography and media that spawns off of it that like we get to consume and that yeah. like can be really influential even if you don't attend. I mean, I I honestly look at these clothes on Pinterest that I, like, all the New, New York Fashion Week's streetwear and just know I can never afford it. 
It's all rich people shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I try as close as I can to like getting like color blocking or whatever Mm -hmm. and and you can thrift that. Mm -hmm. But most of the outfits are just so obviously of quality that Mm -hmm. I'm never going to have. Yeah, I'm starting to come to terms with that too where it's like, yeah, you can get inspired by it, but like some of these garments, just the way they're constructed, it's like you're not going to... And it's like fit for them too. Yeah. But like... I think, like, the idea of a parade, I just love the way parades, including fashion shows, interact with public space where you're, like, moving through a large swath of city Ugh. or area. Like, yeah. We do have parades, but parades are pretty lame. I know. I feel like they're mostly nationalist-focused. Like, it's like, try- I just feel like a lot of the parades that we're pushing are for, like, a pride reason. <laughs> And, like, you know, in a way where I'm like, don't push your fucking peach agenda on me or whatever it is. You yeah. know what I mean? Even yeah. though I love peaches or whatever. It's just, like, some of the parades, I just feel like it's Wait, are you so talking hard. about the bike parade? I, no, I'm talking about, like, there's, I don't know, like, in Tennessee, I know we okay, have Okay, you're talking peaches. about the fruit. I thought you meant our friend peaches. No, 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 no. Um, but, like, yeah, even the bike parade, I don't know. All of it kind of, to me, I guess because I have an American lens on it, I'm just like, what are you trying to, like, brainwash me with? Versus, like, when I went to Lyon, again, I've brought up Lyon twice. I'm annoying, I know. But, like, I, we went there. One of the focus was public space. Mm-hmm. And the focus of your studies there. Studies there was public space and art in public space. And one of the big things that uh, she recruited was dance majors. Uh-huh. And because it was the law bi- biannual of dance. Uh-huh. So, like, movement, as you know, is, is a big part of interacting with your space, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's interesting because dance is just so reactive to where you are and a lot of the dance majors did like showcase a dance of like in the subway of like how the experience of this the space like whatever making a dance out of that but one of the things that happened was a dance parade because mm-hmm. it was the end of the biannual and it was the it was focused in dance so every two years they have a dance focus and it's incredible mm-hmm. and they had all these dance troops dancing the whole parade so I think, like, in that sense, I was just like, oh, there's a there is nothing being sold to me here except for the, the pure act of interacting with the space itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, so, yeah, in the U.S. we have, like, basically Pride Parade and, like, Christmas Parade. Like, I've been to a Christmas parade. I've been to, like, season parade, like, seasonal themed parades or whatever. But I think, like, I like the idea of having an event that is interacting with the space around it in a parade like fashion and that like a lot of ground is covered and like yeah it would just like move through the city it was just the celebration of our bodies mm-hmm. our, like people's bodies just like woo, we're here and we're here in this this road right now yeah and like with fashion intertwined it kind of makes me think of instagram and how instagram has changed how people interact with their landscape in that they're constantly looking for a good backdrop yeah and it's like we could expand that and make it a lot more cool where yes we're like it is about our outfit and it's about like how the backdrop looks but it's more about like instead of it being a photo that gets put on instagram and and ends up in that sphere it could be like us in the public space being in our outfits parading around and like I think we're circling back to our first topic you know yeah like (laughs) yeah I really feel like sometimes our top like our topics really they're all intertwined everything is connected man Donna Haraway yeah but I feel like sometimes episode to episode like we really nail it on accident yeah I mean yeah we do it's true we're amazing (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but like also 
I want to say with this parade, this dance parade, they also have like mm. crazy different costumes. Right, right. And it's like costumes always going to be a part of something like that. Right. It's truly cultural. Exactly. I mean, I guess costumes are part of pride and like that is like a way that. Yeah, but corporations are always part of that too now. I just feel like it's so corporate. It's totally tainted for sure. But there is like an offering to the public that is people showing up in these spaces in like colorful outfits and slutty outfits and sparkles and leather. For sure. I mean, that's the thing. I'm like queerness, which means other, as we've decided, like, and which is anything that isn't white. (laughs) Like really what it comes down to. And white White, male. White, Mel, Yeah. And which is colorful, <laughs> you know, like, I just feel like any counterculture that you see in the world, anything that's queer or counterculture or just like another culture is vibrant. There is vibrancy in every single one of them. Well, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want me to generalize. I think it's because it's kind of like you're saying that every culture is colorful except the U.S. Is that the thesis? No, I'm saying the the patriarchal system that we abide by is like pushes away that idea of celebrating queerness or culture, mm-hmm. which queerness and culture inherently is vibrant and life because it's life. It's human. Yeah. Humans are supposed to be fully like colorful scarves, spices, fucking like movement like we're supposed to be like moving our bodies every culture has that like every culture has a fashion like a certain embroidery or lace or something but i mean we do have like fashion which is like super colorful and ostentatious like but usually it's pulled from something else right like what do you mean i mean the fashion that we have is inherently from like they're, we're reacting to something, right? So. Well, yeah, I mean, like, all fashion and culture is going to be, like, a reaction to that that came before it. But that doesn't mean that, like, our... That doesn't mean that it's not still being born of that culture. Yeah, but I just, like, there... For example, the theme being Met Gala. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how American fashion is the theme. And I'm like, what the fuck are they going to use? Why do you think that, though? Like, why do you think What do that- you think American fashion is? I mean, we've talked about denim. Like, I don't... Denim. Like, but like you said, or like I always say, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just don't know I just, enough about it to like... Well, to, there isn't really... there is. Like, America... We'll see. <laughs> September 13th. <laughs> like, I feel like compared to like London, like... I mean, Italy. London's another white supremacy bullshit. Like I said in my, my minimalist thing, there are European folk cultures right. that celebrate... Uh, like they're important, they're subjectively have a fashion, have a dance. Right. And I'm just saying the, I think more of the Western society that we're pushing with capitalism and yes. the patriarchal system makes is mainstream effect is to have no sense of fashion. Right. right. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. What, what we just talked about in our tech bros. You right. Know? Yeah. I'm getting on board with this. I think it's also very Protestant. Like it's very like, it's about work ethic. It's about like putting your head down and not doing anything except for like being productive and then right. going home and getting drunk at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if that was what the Protestants do, but that's what we do <laughs> now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, right. It's like about, yeah. And even denim, if that's like our, like what I'm saying, if that's our fashion, that's like, a workwear. That's literally, exactly. it's literally a fabric that you're supposed to produce things while wearing exactly yeah that was like so like what is, what it's is such that a funny say? example <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah obviously the there is pockets of expressiveness that happen despite 
capitalism surrounding it like it makes me think of like kind of like cheesy like Dolly Parton like fringe and Mm. like sequins and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. that feels like maybe American and maybe that's kind of that's interesting that you say that because there is a lot of I'm from I'm from Nashville Tennessee so I do have some kind of like understanding I, I I don't I need to, that should be an interesting topic of where that style came from. Because I don't think it's white people that are making those clothes for country music stars uh-huh. at that time. Uh-huh. Like, I'm pretty sure it's like, I think there were some Latina, uh, Latinx people that were p- producing it. Because it is heavily influenced in this cowboy genre that is, like, really Mexican. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and I think from what I remember, that's who, like, there was a Mexican artist... I could be wrong about this, but I, that's what I remember in my head that was making a lot of these, especially in the 80s and the 90s, and I think it's still alive today, um, outfits that we identify with that country genre. Interesting. So, yeah, it is interesting. I need to look more into it, and that could be a topic that we talk about in a later, later date. But, yeah. yeah, like the rhinestones and glitter was only a short time in country music. Hmm. The fringe. Hmm. But Dolly really held to it, you know, and mm-hmm. good on her. Mm-hmm. That's all we're saying. <laughs> Uh, man, I don't really want to stop talking. But I know. I, I probably should go home and pack or like. Wait, so why are you going to San Francisco? So my cousin is a travel nurse and she's there now. Uh-huh. And it's not like I see her all the time. I actually see her pretty infrequently. But like I had a phone call with her. Like it was probably the first time we'd ever talked on the phone. But I sent her a really thorough list of recommendations of what to do there and then we just got to chatting and she invited me and Brian to come stay with her and I was kind of like yeah why not why not I just kind of felt like yeah she's only going to be there for a month it just seemed like a good opportunity to like catch up catch up and like she's a nurse and she's been working in the ER Mm -hmm. and seeing a lot of bad shit over the past year and has unvaxxed parents and I feel like it's another thing that we can connect on right now. And yeah. she's just great. Yeah, I want to say, like, I don't talk to any of my cousins. I really don't either. And it's so weird because, I mean, I'm so close to my sisters. It's, like, really weird for me to imagine us having kids and then those kids not being friends. Yeah. That is so weird. But I also just, like, I'm like, why does anyone move? Like, I don't want any of my family to move. If we all just stay here. Nothing bad will ever happen to us. I mean, I really think you guys should all stay together. Like, y'all are, y'all are a strong suit. Yeah. Like, that'd be weird. The only person I really talk to, I even have a brother, is my mom. Mm. And I feel weird about it, but I'm, I don't at the same time. Like, That's I don't good. think about it. I don't really care about it. Mm-hmm. I think my mom feels bad about it. But I'm just like, I don't really have any interest of, like, like they're not on my level. You know what I mean? You know, so I just like don't have any reason to keep talking to my family except for my mom when I need money. <laughs> you love your mom. I fucking love my mom. I was thinking the other day of some fucked up shit that she did in my past, but you know, sometimes you got to revisit those little tidbits, you know? Yeah, I'm just like, damn, mom. Remember, you- remind her how lucky she is to stuck around. <laughs> no, totally. Honestly, having kids sounds like an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, and I don't, like, there was a really funny TikTok that I've been saying. I feel like we've always been saying. They're, like, our parents are always, like, there's no, like, book on how to raise a kid. And literally someone's, like, there's thousands of them. <laughs> there's it. thousands That's of really them. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, like, you're, like, yeah. I'm also just, like, mad at 
people that have kids right now because I just like I know people that have kids and are really bad parents Mm -hmm. and aren't like showing up for their kids in ways and just like wish they honestly didn't have a kid Mm -hmm. and I'm just like I don't feel bad for you in the least you decided to have a kid now we're getting to a point though and that people can't decide to have kids or not so right you know what Texas just gets to decide if you have kids or not exactly oh man yeah Anyhow, okay. What? Can I tell you something that I started and I have I've only done it twice, but I loved it. What? It's called the class. Okay. Again, another sponsor. Yeah. Um, only done it twice, but it's just like emotional working out. Oh. It's like you might cry. Oh. But like a good cry. Do you are you afraid of crying? No. I don't think so. I've seen you cry like multiple times. Why is it what is it about crying that you don't want to do? I mean, do? you've known me for like a few years. Like, don't you think that's a normal rate of crying? <laughs> I don't think I cry that much, but I, I actually really like crying. I don't think you cry that much either, but I feel like you're more open to crying in public than anyone else I know right now in my life. Whoa. I mean, I'm also pro people crying in public because we need to get over the stigma of not crying. Yeah, it's like whatever. But I will never get over it though. Did, I will Did you cry in your emotional workout? No, but I definitely felt different, you know? I don't... Does it, like, ask you questions? Is it, like, what's the saddest thing that ever happened to you? <laughs> no, but you just, like, get inside your body. I think a lot of people don't get inside. Like, the focus was to get inside your body. Okay. And to, like, feel your body. Um, and the music, you know, they have a real good technique of, like, making you feel like you're in a movie, you oh know? Like, gosh. they start off, like, it's just quiet. And then they start the music. And it's kind of, like, slow jams. And then it gets to, like, you're fucking on top of that mountain, like, yeah! And then it comes back <laughs> down, and then it's quiet again. And it feels like you just had an orgasm. You know what I mean? Like, it, it has a climax. Wow. But not really. Don't hold me to that, because well, you'll be really sad that you didn't orgasm. Don't worry, Jackie. There's there's things greater than that that have failed to make me orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> but I love uh, it. Yeah, I'm mostly just wowing at like the fact that something like this exists. But it's called the class. It's very woohoo, and I checked it out and I liked it. It is forty dollars a month, which is like, meh. but um, I'm gonna do it all this week, and I'm gonna kind of also to Planet Fitness. I just feel like I have to work out, or I feel like shit. Like my, bo- I'm broken. My body is literally hurting every day now from working out from work. Oh, so. I have to I have to have massage. I do acupuncture. I mean, I don't know if acupuncture is actually working out uh, for me, but I like it because I went there and she like read my pulse and mm-hmm. said my digestive pulse was off, and I was sold. I was like, Dude. "You said digestive pulse? God, yes." I know that shit gets me too. Where <laughs> you're like, "Yeah." She said all the right things because um, my digestive pulse is off. I mean, you're yeah, right. You yeah. I. <laughs> she was like, "Do you have digestive problems?" I was like. How did you know? She's like, yeah, your pulse is off. My digestive pulse was off. So she had to, like, poke me. She's like, we can work on that. And I'm like, oh, we can? I mean, to be clear, the the diagnosis is always they're going to poke you. It's like you're at acupuncture. Yeah, but she was like, we can work on that through poking. Yeah. To be honest, I am feeling like I have to poop right now. Okay. So I feel like... We should wrap it up. We should end, but I... Yeah, it might just... It might well, be a false alarm. I love you. Love uh, you. Sarnara. Sarnara. <laughs>